I'm a singer, so I would sometimes be rehearsing throughout the house. And after a little while, I would start to sing. And then I was, as I would stop, I would hear like a humming after me coming through like the old pipes, like the old heating system. Between the present and the past, memories held in the walls and earth, energies and entities that cross the barrier into our dreams and our consciousness. That which has been left behind between the living and the dead. I'm Emily. And I'm Joy. And this is, is The, the Residuals. Residuals. All right. Um, hi, it's Emily. I'm recording today without Joy because she is in the middle of moving and so it's me on my own. I'm hoping I'm not going to banjax this and fuck it all up. Um, but this is The Residuals. Um, and I am here today with the amazing Laura Benanti, who is a star of Broadway and soon to be XOXO Gossip Girl and also the... Um, amazing mastermind behind Sunshine Songs, which uh, was such a fucking amazing thing during lockdown as a former theater kid, seeing what you did for other kids. Um, if you haven't seen it, please check it out. Look up the, the hashtag of Sunshine Songs. Is that right, Sunshine Songs? Yeah, Sunshine Songs is the hashtag. And then it's actually now a documentary on HBO Max. It's called Homeschool Musical Class of 2020. Look so, it up, you guys. Is it on the, the HBO app as well? Yeah. On the mm -hmm. streaming? Oh, I think it's just on the HBO Max site. Okay. I don't think it's on regular HBO. Okay. And I also have an album out if anybody wants <gasps> to Do it, do it. What is it? Tell us all about it. It's just called Laura Benanti. It's a self-titled album and it's jazz. It's like old school, mellow, like get in a bath and rest jazz. Oh. Yeah. I, I love that. Being a European, there's nothing I love more than wallowing in my own filth in the tub exactly. for a few hours. <laughs> I will be doing that this evening. So, Laura, yes. um, this is very exciting. Um, again, former theater kid, same with Joy. Something that we've discussed in the past um, with some other guests who have a theater background the, the whole idea of the ghost light and mm. the hauntings that go on within theater spaces one of one of our theories is that there's a space that you go to as an actor to embody a character and almost channel something that is someone who you are not mm -hmm. i guess and that openness and and opening yourself up to these really big emotions and having to do that switch on and off between yourself and someone else you know one of our theories obviously we're not experts yes we're just, we're just two mums who decided over like grilled cheese and fries one day to start this podcast but um that's you know one of our one of our thoughts that maybe that's what causes these these places to hold so many um uh to hold so many spirits i guess yeah. um but you have a 
crazy amazing career and history and traveling all over and appearing in different theaters and having like experienced all of this bonkers stuff so I'm gonna shut up and I just want you to talk about everything <laughs> it's funny because you know I've I've started in like 13 Broadway shows wow. and I would say the majority of them have not included like spirits um there are definitely some Broadway theaters that are known more than others for being haunted um at some of the older ones, especially. Um, I, I will say I also had an experience on a film where we were filming at a house out in the Hamptons. And that was one of the more ghostly experiences I've had. So we can talk about those. And then I also actually lived in a house um, called the Luke Miller house Holy in God. Madison, New Jersey. I lived there with my ex-husband and it's one of the oldest houses in Northern New Jersey. Like George Washington actually slept there. Like he actually stayed there because there's letters like I'm staying with Luke Miller. There's a V for victory branded into the wood and the mantle above the fireplace after the revolutionary oh. war. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, but that those ghosts were so, so intense. So I'll okay. start small. Okay. Yeah. Let's do, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Okay. I'm now like, yeah, I've got my cup of tea. Let's do this. Okay. So I'll start small. Like the most sort of ghostly experience I've ever had um, in the theater was when I was doing a show called Into the Woods at the Broadhurst. And um, every, there was one particular show like one particular performance where every time I came out on stage, it sounded like someone was yelling. What? Mm -hmm. Was it sounded that with like, the audience there or in rehearsals? Yeah, the audience well? was there and it sounded like someone was yelling. So <clears throat> they sent the, like, you know, the, um, the security guards into the audience. They scoured the audience. They scoured all the way to the tippy top left, which it sounded like, if the screaming was coming from it was screaming yeah it was straight up screaming jesus but only when i was on stage what i would come out and like start to sing and start to talk and it would be like it, it, unintelligible but just like oh, 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 oh like crazy like howling um like ebenezer scrooge style um oh. And they scoured it and they, they were like standing in the tippy top left corner where the sound was coming from. And all of the, the people in the audience were also looking around trying to figure out where the sound was coming from. And they never figured it out. And it happened throughout the duration of the show. And it was only when you were on stage. Only when I was on stage. Maybe it's your biggest fan. Or my, my or ghost biggest editor. critic. Yeah. Uh um, That's it was really, truly terrifying. Yeah. At first I thought, you know, maybe it's, it's someone and I, and I, I mean this in the most loving way, maybe it's someone with Tourette's and I'm triggering them right. in some way. And I've experienced that as well. And you just move on and they should absolutely be able to come to the theater. And like, that's not an issue for me. Oh, yeah. But this was like really, truly crazy. So that, um, I smudged. Like it was a, during a matinee. So in between right. shows, I got right. my sage and I yeah. smudged the theater. 
And that didn't happen. Um, it was, it was, no, it never happened again. Oh, are you serious? It never happened again. Yeah, it oh only happened God. one time. Oh my God. Yeah, it only happened one time. So I, I clearly awakened something or so, someone. If your if your smallest haunting experience is starting with someone screaming at you. Yeah. I can't, I'm 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 can't wait for what your other ones are. So what happened next? So I mean the other theater ones are really not that big. They're like they're just not that exciting. They exist. Like for me, like ghosts in a theater is like, yeah, of course. It's like, it's saying like there's fish in a pond, like okay. duh. Okay. And, and, and usually it's, it's, it's like, we would just respect each other. You know what I mean? There's this, everybody sort of believes it. everybody knows it and you just move on. Yeah. And, um, but so I was doing this movie and we were filming out on this beautiful old, like estate in um, the Hamptons. And once the sun went down, it started to get like super weird. So the, um, we were just in somebody's house. So like the hair and makeup setup was just um, mirrors leaned up against the wall on top of a table. And we were, the, one of the hair ladies was like, this place creeps me out. Like, this is a very, very creepy vibe. Like, I'm just not feeling this. And at the exact same time, like four mirrors crashed down. Like, not like, oh, they were precariously positioned and they just all have, like, it's like someone went and pushed them down and they all broke. And one woman left legitimately, who was like, bye, and left. Um, there was, every time we started to do a take of this one scene, all of a sudden you'd hear like, somebody whistling and at first the ad was like stop the noise no whistling right. and then eventually right. everyone was like no one's whistling like we're not whistling where was the whistling coming from was it inside the house or was inside it inside the house Shit. inside the house for sure like whoa how big like yeah. do you know how old the house was so i'll get there oh yeah 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 so okay. there was another incident where one of the characters one of the actors was walking from upstairs where our holding was downstairs to the room we were filming in and he like fell but he was like i did not fall someone pushed me oh shit someone pushed me and he wasn't injured but he was like i felt a hand on my back and someone pushed me but there was no one behind him then and there's footage of this somewhere Whoa. I was wearing a necklace, like a big necklace in the scene. And it was my coverage for like my, a take of mine. And I was talking and all, all of a sudden, it's like someone yanked the necklace <gasps> off of me to the point where my, my neck made the like, you know, a, a movement that your head would make if someone pulled a necklace off of your body and it fell off and, and onto the ground. And, but it was definitely not like, oh, the clasp was loose. It just dropped. It was a, very clearly someone pulled it off of my neck. And so, and so all of the actors, like this point, it's like three. Wait, okay. wait, hold on a minute. Something really bad has just started happening. Oh, no. Okay. Something really strange just started happening. As soon as you were talking about the yank, it suddenly started, the audio just went really 
strange. Wow. Maybe technology? Who knows? Let's go back um, to something yanked on your necklace. And this was around three in the morning. Everybody was pretty freaked. Wait, it was three in the morning? Yeah. You know that that's like the time. Right? Oh, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, in between three and four is apparently like in the in the paranormal kind of realm of things from three until four is when things are the most active like normally when things happen people look over it's 3 a.m yeah well okay that makes a lot of sense because that was sort of like the you know the gentleman being pushed down the stairs and then my necklace being ripped off was like the culmination i mean look the mirrors happened before it was even dark out which was pretty creepy and i'm just gonna say then when that stuff happens it takes a lot of energy for something to physically do things yeah a lot of energy and the fact that you had all of this equipment and probably generators and stuff that's a lot of power around yeah that's available do you guys did you have anything happen with the lights or the sound or anything oh the lights were going off and on the lights kept cutting out we kept losing power yeah, it was really creepy. And then at about 3.30, we all like went outside just to take like a break, like a mental break. Mm -hmm. And the woman who owns the house is just like sitting outside looking through like a photo album. And I go over and I, and I was like, what are you looking at? And she shows, she's like that the house is famously haunted. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like a famously haunted house. And she had all of this, like, all these newspaper clippings about it, where I was like, why would you rent out? A, why would you live in a famously haunted house? Legit. B, why are you renting it out if you know that these ghosts are just going to fuck with us? Well, not just that, but it sounds like these ghosts are dangerous yes when you have ghosts malevolent i mean i don't want to say ghosts when you have spirit entities right yeah because you don't know what they are when you have entities that you feel you see they're not really you know they're just you're cohabitating yeah when they get physical and it's dangerous yeah that is not okay yeah and that is like that's uh i'm gonna say she shouldn't be renting out her house for shoots that's I was kind of shocked and also that like maybe well yeah I, it was pretty shocking that, that we were there and also that she was just like outside casually thumbing through her like scrapbook of newspaper clippings about how haunted and like how evilly haunted her house is that's the part that was really creepy to me Wait. Okay, so do you do you know any of the any of the stories about the house other I, than the ones you had? I don't because I was like, I don't need to. I'm such an empath. I'm like such a sponge. Yeah. That I since I was a child and my daughter is the same, I do think spirits and entities find their way to me. So I'm like, I don't need to welcome any of this. So you, did you have things start happening as a kid? Because I know that you also grew up around the theater because your mum. My, both my parents. Right. Yeah, both my parents were performers and then my parents got divorced and we moved out to New Jersey. Um, but for me, it was, it was 
like a knowing of things sometimes I would just know things and I didn't know how I knew them like um, my mom is the same way what what kind of thing? like that someone was pregnant that before they knew you're my child oh really yeah she she has she knows people are pregnant before they're yeah. pregnant she knows what the what the gender of that's that was like me yeah yeah it's nuts it's so beautiful thank you for sharing that with no, me no but kids have that kids yeah and that's you know but that's something i'm keeping an eye on for when she gets older because like you're saying when you have empath stuff it's very hard not to take on other people's shit yes i actually just got a book about like witches protection like protective spells for yourself because i have noticed that like I can feel when someone is sending like negative energy my way, like I, I can feel it like physically. And a friend of mine was like, you need to do this. You need to like protect yourself energetically because you're so porous mm -hmm. that other people's stuff just comes into you and it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Um, and when I actually have the time to do it and remind myself to do it, I feel much safer. I feel like much more um, grounded and protected. It's setting up uh, the, the, the boundaries. Which yeah. I think also in our industry, in the entertainment oh, industry, there yes. are a lot of very big personalities. Yes. Um, some are sicker than others, if you know what yes. I'm saying. Yes. And it is hard to keep in your head not my monkeys not my circus that it's yep. you that it is their shit and to not take it on yep and just let it you know it's very hard because it's it's an emotional thing but it's also like a, an energy spiritual thing yep especially when they are you know swinging the dick around trying to be like the loudest voice in the room yes when you're in an equal when you're in, in what's supposed to be an equal type situation. Absolutely. And, not and also, you know, as an actor, we're asked to have very thin skin right. in our performances because in order to be able to effectively portray someone, you have to be really, really vulnerable. But then in our business dealings, it's demanded of us that we have incredibly thick skin and not take things personally. Or even when you're on set, you know, act in such a way that like, it doesn't bother you if, you know, somebody on the crew is like loudly eating an apple or whatever, you know, like during your scene, there's like, there's, there's just this dichotomy of, of presence and awareness that we're meant to have, which I find really challenging. Right. I find boundaries challenging in general, but the idea of like keeping one's energy for oneself is like a relatively new adventure for me. I've got to say, it's really, it's, it's particularly hard when someone has such overwhelming emotional shit coming off them to not take that on. I think mm -hmm. part of the thing with the empath thing is that we want to, we intuitively want to help people. We intuitively want to find a solution for them. Not so much, well, kind of fix them, but like find, help them find a solution, help them find yeah. that healing. But with that, um, that desire to do so you take their shit on like mm -hmm. you know i just had i just had a thing the other evening speaking with someone who had so much sadness coming up them 
Mm. that within halfway through talking to them I felt exhausted not like I'm tired I need to take a nap but you know that tired that you get when you've been hysterically crying for a few hours yes it was yes and it was just it was I didn't realize until the next day when someone pointed it out to me that oh that wasn't me so when you're taking on certain characters Mm -hmm. And maybe even in environments, like you were saying, like for for example, the shoot that you did at this house that was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in certain locations like that, it affects you much longer afterwards, after you've finished filming to get back to Laura, to get back to inhabiting your own body and letting that character go? Yeah, I think there are certain characters that just demand more of your um, attention. Mm-hmm. There are characters that um, sort of demand that you break yourself open more and therefore it's harder to, to remove them. Right. But then I also think there are certain spaces, like I was saying earlier, certain theaters that that have a have a more of a charge to them so not only are you having the energy of performing in front of an audience the energy of embodying a person but you also have this other energy coming at you that you might not even be aware of right and I do think it makes it sort of just harder your walls are just broken down a little bit more yeah um and it's not like these theaters are quote unquote bad luck or anything. They're just harder to be in the space. Like it's just more taxing. Right. And being that you're, you're letting down your walls in order to embody a certain character, then you're more susceptible to that. Yeah. It's interesting. So the house that I was telling you about, the Luke Miller house in Madison, yeah. New Jersey, and you can look it up if you want okay. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I fell in love with the house like the minute we saw it. Okay. It's so beautiful. Um, and I stayed alone in that house many times. Mm-hmm. But the one night my then husband stayed in the house, he decided he wanted to sell it after that. We'd only lived there for like four months. Holy shit. So a few things that I actually found really beautiful. So um, I was upstairs in the third floor in like the finished attic mm-hmm. and I was putting things away and I saw the, I saw like a Victorian woman in the window. At first I thought it was my own reflection. Right. And then I kept looking and it was absolutely not me but I was not scared at all. If anything, I felt this like love mm-hmm. and I sort of saw her and I like, didn't say anything. Um, but I was like, oh, okay. So someone lives here. Mm-hmm. And then I would, I'm a singer. So I would sometimes be rehearsing throughout the house and after a little while, I would start to sing. And then I was, as I would stop, I would hear like a humming after me coming through like the old pipes, like the old heating system. And it was so beautiful. 
like it didn't scare me at all. It was like she was happy that we were there or that I was there. It's almost like she was singing along with you or, or encouraging you to keep going. It was. It was like it was like she was singing along with me. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, a couple other things. So I this is derailing us, but I broke my neck. Listen, it's not derailing. I have ADD. I go off on squirrel tangents all the okay. time. And the fact that you also share cadaver croutons like Joy and I do. Yes. That's cadaver like croutons. Bionic, yes. bionic sisterhood. Yes. How did you break your neck? In the show, Into the Woods, where the person's like screaming ghost. Yeah. I wonder if they were trying to warn you. Oh my God. I do wonder. That's how really long interesting. did it happen after the screaming? Like how long after the oh screaming? It was so break? long ago. I don't remember. Yeah. I feel like it was very early on in the run. Okay. Because how it happened is I had to do a pratfall. Yeah. I had to do a pratfall eight times a week, two times a show. And it was a very, very strenuous pratfall that a gymnast should have been doing, not an actress. But I was 22 and I wanted to please everybody. And I say people pleasing broke my neck because that's really what it was. But I had done the show. I had done the pratfall for like eight months and I had like hurt my wrist. I cracked my rib. I hurt other things, but never anything that bad. Yeah. And then one day I just like broke my neck. And I had surgery, pretty much long story. I ended up having surgery and then that surgery didn't take, Right. but I didn't know that for like seven years. Oh shit. So the year before my second surgery that ended up actually fixing the issue right. was when we lived in this house in New Jersey. And I was doing a play on Broadway in one of the absolute most haunted theaters, for sure. Which theater? Um, the Lyceum. L Y C E U M. Okay. I did two shows there, and it's for sure the most haunted space I've been in. Like the most haunted theater I've been in. Like how so? Um, just very clearly, you know. There, there are boxes on the side, like where people can sit, but they don't sell them. And there were absolutely people sitting in those boxes. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just everyone was like the ghosts. Like, it's just, you just know it's there. Yeah. They're just the other cast members. They're, they are legitimately. That's amazing. Um, okay. But so I was doing the show, this period show, a Victorian show where I was in corsets and I was having the worst neck pain imaginable and I was getting swollen my face was getting swollen it was just really horrible and I finally went to a different doctor at the hospital for special surgery who was like oh hi that surgery actually made you worse you're lucky you're not paralyzed and we need to do surgery like as soon as you are done with this show holy shit yeah so my mom came over to my house in New Jersey before my one of my shows right I knew I was going to have to take the train into the city and I was crying. I was like laying in my bedroom and I was sobbing and I was like, I cannot do this. I'm in so much pain. I can't do this. Like, what am I going to do? And she was like, just rest. And I started to close my eyes. And when I tell you, I felt a peace come over me. Like I have never felt in my life. It was as if someone was holding me like a baby. 
and I fell asleep and I woke up and my neck felt so much better. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. And it didn't last, but you know, it was, it was like someone was holding me like a child. Like they were giving me their peace and their strength and their courage. Um, there was a moment where we, there was a leak in one of the bathtubs. And I said to my ex-husband, I was like, I need an Allen wrench because I want to fix this. And he was like, what's an Allen wrench? And I woke up and next to my bed was an Allen wrench. You shut the fuck up, Laura. I'm serious. Hand to God. And I was like, honey, thank you so much. That was so sweet. And he was like, I did not do that. So there was another example where we had an alarm system mm-hmm. where if any of the windows were open, you couldn't set it. Okay. It would like alert you to that. Right, right. And so I set the alarm left. And then hours later in the middle, like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, I got home and realized I didn't have my keys. And my uncle was actually there with me. And he was like, Laura, and he pointed to the window and the window to the kitchen was open so that I could crawl through and get into the house without my keys, which, and that window was absolutely not open when we left because it was like winter time and I wouldn't have just left our kitchen window randomly open. I'm begging you that at some point, as soon as that house comes on the market, please move back there. I know. I oh, know. God. I, I, and so he and I were having a conversation. He sat me down and he was like, I don't want to live here. I'm not comfortable here. Um, and I started crying because I loved it so much. I really, really wanted to stay in the house. Um, and, um, you know, I agreed to do it, but I was like deeply, deeply upset. And then there were more little moments of just like care in the way that I had experienced when my neck hurt so bad. Like what? Just, um, like what? Like little, like a feeling that I would have when I would like be in the bed by myself reading a book and I'd be deeply sad. And then all of a sudden I would just be like, I'm fine. You know, like a little feeling that felt like a a gift Yeah. that was coming from outside of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we decided to put it on the market and it stayed on the market for a really long time because Because you weren't supposed to move. Well, every time the real estate agent would show it, something crazy would happen. Like what? The television going on and off by itself. The, the, the door, the, the front door slamming open and slamming shut. Shut up. Yeah. Um, what else happened? Books coming right off of the bookshelf and hitting the person who was walking through. I yeah. Mean, I can't, I don't. I, I'm not an advocate for people getting hurt by whatever is in the beyond, yeah. but I, uh, I have mad respect for this woman's moxie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think she, they weren't hurt, but it no, was no, like no. to scare them. Yeah. Um, and so that you would have to keep the house for, for much longer. Yeah. So I sat down with a candle and I was like, I know that you can hear me and I know that you're here. I'm going to cry. And you've given me so much love and I'm so grateful to you. And 
you know, what I ask is, because I do have to sell this house. What I ask is that when you feel like a person comes in here who you could love as well, when they come in, please don't do anything to make them leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the longer I stay here, the longer it takes to sell the house, the harder things are for me. You know, and I'm going to miss you and I love you and I'm grateful to you. And I think you're wonderful. And just please keep an open mind. Right. And a couple weeks later, a family came, the family who lives there now with, I think they have three children and they, the real estate agent said they came in and it was like, they fell in love with the house immediately. Nothing went wrong. Yeah. 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 Nothing went wrong the kids were like going up and down the stairs and like so happy. And she said the feeling of the house was utterly different. The real estate agent said that. Right. Um, and they still live there. Oh my God. We have, a we interviewed, um, our friend Courtney and her mom. I think the episode is called burying the lead. Her mom also lived in a house built around the same time as that one. Oh, wow. Washington stayed just down the street after the house um when when this house was built like it was and it was where a lot of people were stationed during the war like they took over the house made it a headquarters kind of thing right she had the exact same thing she walked into the house and immediately was in love and was like this is my house yeah but she had a different experience in that she didn't have anything negative happen courtney on the other hand when she was there had the blankets whipped off of her, like had some fucked up things happen. But her mom was just like enveloped in this house. And when it came time to leave it, she had a hard time leaving it because yeah. the house didn't want to let her go. So in that regards, some we, you know, there there are some houses that it's like it sucks you in and it kind of it's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. This is like the polar opposite. And also I didn't know how to love myself. Right. You know, I really, I didn't know how to truly feel love, how to accept love. I was really good at output Mm -hmm. and really bad at input. And so even the simple act of accepting the love from this entity was really good practice for me. And also a good reminder that like the world that we consciously live in is not the only world, right? You know, that there are other realms, there is something bigger than us. There are many things bigger than us and that we're not alone. And so, you know, that house, that house was a gift, you know, even though I'm like, I still drive by it sometimes because I, I miss it so much. Mm -hmm. I do think if it ever went back on the market, I would, I mean, it's just so far away from the city, but like, you know, if I was a millionaire, I would do that. I, I just, uh, I think about your daughter and it would be. Oh. So healing. I know. My mom and I talk about the house all the time and she, in that moment, cause she felt it too. She fell asleep she as well. Yeah. She fell asleep as well. And when she woke up, she was like, we both looked at each other like, did you just have the experience that I had? Yeah. It was pretty amazing. And my uncle Bill, who stayed there with us, was at, was like, this is absolutely like there's some there's something here. 
So what kind of experience did he have? Did he have a similar feeling and sensation that you did of the love yes. and the warmth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and so did my mom and dad. Right. And Matt and my, you know, yeah. It, it was a beautiful, oh my gosh, the part I forgot to mention too, that um, it was part of the Underground Railroad. Shut up. Yeah, because there is, I mean, it was turned into a wine cellar by the previous owner. As you but did. Exactly. But underneath, there was this, you know, like a hidden area that's now a wine cellar, but that had a tunnel that he actually like plexied off so you could see through the tunnel. Holy shit. That led to like a smaller house that's on the property that, um, like if you live in that house, you have to be willing to show it to the public twice a year, like Whoa. give tours. Cause it's that historic. Right. Um, but there was like that energy too, that, you know, like good things were happening there. People were like on, on the right side of history there, right. you know? Um, so yeah, it was just such a beautiful space to be in. Now I have another like malevolent ghost story. Um, please tell me. Okay. I'm here for everything. Lord. This is the opposite of this, of the ghost I just described. If you have a scary story of your own that when you listen to us, you think, oh, I should send my stuff in, email us at theresidualspodcast at gmail.com. We also have Instagram, the underscore residuals underscore podcast. And I think we have a Twitter too, don't we, Joy? We do. We definitely have a Twitter. It is at the residuals pod. Just that pod? Just that. Drop the cast for Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, should we get back to the show? Oh, heck yeah. All right. All right. This is the opposite of this, of the ghost I just described. I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, doing a concert. And the, um, the, uh, the like room that I was performing in was inside like an old, old hotel. And that's also where they put me up. And the minute I walked into my room, I was like, something is wrong here. This is not good. But being who I am, I was right. like, not going to be like, can I have a different room? Push it to the side. It's okay. Don't yes. want to cause any problems. Mm. Exactly. So I just have a very bad feeling in this room. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I turn the light off and there's like a little bit of a glow through the window of the moon. And I see under the covers, like what looks like a snake. Under like the covers toward. of the bed that you're in. Yeah, the covers of the bed that I'm lying in. I can actually see what looks like a snake coming toward me. And I turn on the light and I very loudly say, I am not afraid of you. Yeah. I'm not afraid of you. I know that you're here and you do not scare me and you cannot hurt me. You will not hurt me. Right. And I like stop and I feel the energy sort of dissipate. Mm -hmm. And I try to sleep that night. I sleep with the light on. I try to sleep that night. It's, I get very little sleep, very, very fitful. The next day 
I have my concert, I have my show. I'm like still in the room. It just still doesn't feel right. I take a shower, get ready, whatever. In the middle of the show, the piano keys stop working. Two of them. Holy shit. Which is, you cannot continue with the show when that happens. Right. It's like someone cut two of the strings of the piano. Like oh it's it, like you'd press it and it would not make a sound. Right. So we literally had to stop and they had to bring in like a keyboard oh God. for us to, exactly, for us to finish the show off. But I was like, oh my God, this thing has just said to me, like, you will be afraid of me. Like right. I... I am in control. You are not in control. Um, my friend had a bunch of cash stolen out of his wallet. Holy shit. Um, and like, he's like, I really don't think like anybody in this hotel did that. Like it's a sweet Indianapolis like hotel, just like really mean, shitty, awful things. Right. Um, so that night after the piano keys incident, I asked to move rooms. I don't blame you. Yeah, I was like, and I said, why? I was like, I need you to know that there's like a, a malevolent entity in that room. What did they say? And they were like, you are not the first person to say this. Then why the fuck would they put you in there? In That's the what I process? said. That's what I said. They were like, some people have no experience with it, but like more than a handful of people have asked to move out of that room. Okay, no, don't be, no, I know. don't do that. I know. I was like, maybe don't put your performers there anymore. I feel like some of these places, I mean, because you perform in, you, you perform and you film in places that yeah. obviously have rich history. It's almost like, you know, you see these signs in Nolans that say whether a house is haunted or not. Yeah. And I feel like they maybe need to disclose that. Like that needs to be in the paperwork. Maybe you can put it in your writer from now on, Laura. Yeah, right. So you no ghosts. No, please tell me if this place is haunted or not. So I know. But that was one of the scariest. Oh, and like, you know, you were telling me earlier about the person that you spoke to where all of a sudden you were like deeply yes. exhausted. Yes. So after that evening, Todd Almond, who's my pianist, he was like, are you okay? And I was like, why? And he was like, you do not feel like you. He was, and I was like, well, I'm exhausted. I didn't sleep all night long. He's like, no, like something is wrong. Like I'm worried about you. It was if it was as if it was like seeping into me, like the negativity, the anger, the like, yeah, it was really, really creepy. And then the, once I switched rooms, it was like, and our next show went great. He was like, you seem like yourself. Was the piano fixed at that point? Yeah, they had fixed the piano. So whether, whether, the the oh god what's the word i'm looking for the cables the the yeah i don't know what it's called either like so were they actually cut i don't think they no they were like we don't know why this isn't working and it was working at sound check and it was working like through most of the show it was like the last 15 minutes of the show it, it, it happened it happened like 45 minutes in that's fucked up yeah it was really really creepy oh my god really scary I keep going back to when you broke your neck and the screaming. I have never equated the two. And I really wonder if you're right. Because it was early on in the run. And at that point, like the first time I ever did it, all the crew came out and they were like, she can never fucking do that again. Like they were like, no, 
absolutely not. That's not an acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want, I do wonder if it was like, yeah, warning me, like Like you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it's an early warning system. Holy shit. I really genuinely never thought of that, but I think you're right. That's insane. That is crazy. I know. Have you had anything else be almost like, because, you know, you're saying like when you were younger growing up, your first thing was intuitively knowing things. Have you found that that's somewhat developed over time, especially with your career? Like, I think there's an empath thing that when, when we meet people, we immediately know how to read them and respond Mm -hmm. to them a certain way. Like that's one of the things that I used to my advantage when like when I interview people, when I'm producing stuff, it's like you read them, you know how they're going to respond to you, you know how best to interact with them so that they don't get their backs up and like not want to talk to you. And it's like, um, it's that immediately recognizing certain things in people. Like when you know you've met your people, like like friends and stuff, you're like, okay, we're, we're golden. Do you find that as time has gone on, um, this, these, this, this thing that you have has evolved into not just people, but spaces and do, do you know, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that I was born a deeply intuitive soul mm-hmm. and then my learned behavior was to not listen to that. Mm-hmm my learned behavior became to please people regardless of my desires to be the nice girl, Mm -hmm. to put myself out for others. Um, So while I do think that when I meet people, I have a pretty clear sense of who they are. I've spent sort of a lifetime denying that to myself, Right. you know, saying like, okay, well, you know, that's not a trustworthy person. Well, I can fix them or maybe I'm wrong or, Mm -hmm. you know, just denying my initial instinct of them. Um, But I think the process of having my daughter, you know, she's just turned four. So weirdly being pregnant and then Trump being elected and then having my daughter I think has forced me to return to that more um, intuitive space. Right. Because it feels like to not is to like die. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. To like that my presence is my protection. I think for a long time I was dissociating Mm -hmm. because I was so sensitive and so deeply intuitive that I just tried to like numb it and make it go away because it felt scary. I feel like, I feel like, I don't know if it's having a daughter because I, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a girl. I only have one. I I can't say what it's like to have, you know, a child of of a different gender. I think, I think it's also just having a kid. There's something that comes out, which is mama bear. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just, you have no control over it. And so those things that you have previously ignored because you don't want to like 
have someone be mad at you or offended. Yes. When your kid comes along, you go full protection mode. And it's like, no, 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 no. Because then if it's not about you, it's like when we give people advice. Yes. But then we can't take it ourselves. Yes. It's very similar to that. Yeah. Um, my daughter was born two months to the day prior to the election. Yeah. And I, I cried hysterically. Yes. for a week and you know which also had a lot to do with having postpartum but um yes me too oh god but it just kind of, kind of compounded it and I had to get to a place of not just acceptance of the situation but then turning it in a way that because at first I was like why did I bring a child into this yes me too why did I bring a child into this yeah it's so selfish it's everything is so yeah. fucked up but then I started to feel like maybe she can be part of the change right maybe she's come into this world because she's a force to be reckoned with yeah and all I can do is not push her to be that but to help yeah. her be the best person she can be in whatever path she's going to be going on yeah um and it turns out that she is she's a, like she doesn't take any shit she's a tough cookie very yeah. stubborn um, but also really knows her own mind and has been since a very young age. Yeah. Like when she first started daycare, she was a year and a half because I went back to work. Like I need to justify that. I'm like, I had to go back. So, so she had to, whatever. She went to daycare. Yeah. And um, it was mostly um, like bigger kids and other boys in the class and the kids would play rough. And the second she would come in, they would dogpile on her because they all loved her. And she was like, get off me give me space yeah and she's just always been like that and that's amazing like, man we don't have to do anything she's just we can just encourage her and nurture that but wow but it's my daughter is different she's deeply like she, she's like from another time mm -hmm. she's like deeply sensitive in a way that is sometimes concerning where it's like I see in the same way that I have experienced I see her almost like not being able to like be in the world oh, God. where she is like pushing herself to do basic, simple things mm -hmm. because it feels overwhelming to her. Like, so I, when I was, when I was growing up and my mom will still say this to me 40 some years later, I would be so affected by people outside of me or just everything in general. My mom has always said to me that I, I felt things on a, on such a deep level yes. that other people really didn't. Yes. And I think that's also taking on the other people's everything else around. Yes. Me. But it's that feeling of having to put on a front, like everything's fine, mm -hmm. but then it being so deeply affected that when mm -hmm. it's happening, you kind of, zone out and because it's so overwhelming yeah um is that something that you experienced when when you were yeah. kid with all this absolutely that's exactly how I was as a kid it's how I am now it's how my daughter is mm -hmm. you know I think for me that's one of the reasons why like I numbed myself with alcohol right you know for so long is because I was so like deeply sensitive that I was like, I need all of these things to be quiet. Right. 
I need all of these energies, all of these voices, including my own, to be quiet. Are you comfortable um, with us putting that in our show, or do you totally? Okay. okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. I appreciate no, that. I will say, like, I I didn't mention my sobriety for a really long time on the show. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's important for us to talk about that stuff, especially right now, because during during lockdown, a lot of people have found that the only way they're able to cope is, is with substances. I know. And it breaks my heart, but it's also it's 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 good for us to talk about mental health. Yep. Being proactive yep. in seeking outside help because there's nothing, you know, you're not broken. Right. Same thing yeah. with postpartum stuff. You and I both went through hell with postpartum stuff. Oh you're not gosh. broken as a parent. Yeah it's it's yep. okay to ask yep. for help but with with experiences like these having that empath thing yeah definitely turning to drugs and alcohol because you just want to stop the noise yeah yeah and it's you know it is scary to take away that sort of quote-unquote solution mm -hmm. and make space for yourself mm -hmm. and make space for something larger than you. Mm -hmm. um, that's like a really scary prospect. Right. Um, and yet, you know, the idea that my presence is my protection, mm -hmm. like the only way I can protect myself, protect my daughter is to be utterly present in the world. Right. Um, and also the idea that like, I can't give my daughter what I don't have. Right. So for me sort of seeking um, self-regulation, seeking um, being in my own skin, seeking um, not molding myself to whomever I'm with in the hopes right. that they'll like me. Right. If I don't have that down, how will I ever give it to her? How will I ever teach that to her? Cause she and I are so similar, mm -hmm. um, which can be really hard. Right. Oh. I, I, I appreciate you coming on to talk with not just me, but to other people listening today. Like I sound like a broken record. The reason why we started this show is so that people could listening would not feel so alone in their experiences and the stigma attached to it. And because there's a yeah. stigma attached to it, then there's trauma attached to it because right. you have to shove it all down because some experiences like your experience with that, with that amazingly loving woman in your house in New Jersey, that isn't something that's as traumatizing, but not feeling comfortable to talk about it can, can make you feel not that you're crazy, but just that you've had this amazing experience and you can't really talk about it. Yeah, because other people will think you're crazy. Exactly. <laughs> but then on the flip side, you also had this crazy experience with something yanking your necklace off, yeah, shoving someone down the stairwell. That is, you know, God forbid someone get hurt, but that's also kind of also this fucked up thing at the hotel that's that was so crazy. under your that was the most evil thing I've ever felt. Right. It was evil straight up evil it's it's like that's traumatizing in and of itself it really was also then 
working up the courage to say to someone at the front desk, yes. I need to move. This is why, yes. um, you know, and not, and, and having to get rid of all the fucks to sound like a, a, a crazy person. Totally. You just don't care anymore. Um, but also it's important for us in this process to talk about the importance of mental health and, you know, for, for people like you and myself and some other guests that we've had talking about alcoholism mm -hmm. and everything that comes with that, mm -hmm. um, that it's okay to ask for help and you know, it's for when you get to that point to decide right. and that, you know, there is help out there, which I'm going to put, you know, we'll put it in our social media today. Um, some resources for people for when this episode comes out. Oh, I love that. But I appreciate your honesty and talking about your experiences, not just obviously like the, the unexplainable right. paranormal type stuff, but your life experiences. Um, mm. I, you know, I hope someone listening today, um, can find hope in that me too that not everything is fucked yeah <laughs> um, so at the beginning of lockdown um you know about this with the gratitude shit um i started making joy do um like a one thing that we're grateful for because mm. of everything going to shit in the lockdown and so mm -hmm. it's just even if it's something simple um just saying one thing that we're grateful for right now. Um, so you, what are you grateful for, Laura? I am grateful. I am grateful to be in a home that feels like a home, finally. I feel like I've been so transient my whole life, going from space to space. Um, and I'm really grateful to have landed in the home that we're in now. Um, I feel really like safe here. Yeah. How about you? I am grateful. Man, I mean, you know, I've gone through some stuff. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Um, I am grateful for friends like you who have encouraged me to and joy definitely joy because joy joy is one of those people that like tells it like it is uh -huh. in a loving manner that also will like scare me enough to really take your advice right um to actually take practice self-care and put myself first yes um and and take the time that i need to and so i am filled with immense gratitude for friends like you and Joy who are like, no, 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 no. No, put yourself first yeah. and your health first and and take care of that before putting other things and other people in front of yourself. So I'm grateful for that right now. Yeah. And I'm gonna be grateful for Bubble Bots listening to your jazz album. <laughs> My I hope you like it. Chocolate digestives and my PG tips. Um, so yeah. So um, what is your social media stuff so people listening can follow you? Okay. You can follow me at, at Laura Benanti on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really do Facebook and I have a TikTok, but I don't really do it. So I would just say Instagram and Twitter. 
I don't get the TikToks. I'm, I've realized I'm old and I, I don't care anymore. It takes too much time. There's so much editing involved. Like it takes a full hour at least to do a really good TikTok. And yeah. I just, I don't have time. No, fuck that. Yeah. Um, and then what's the name of your album again? Laura Benanti, just my name. Love it. And then I know that you work closely with uh, an organization for kids and families separated. Yes. So please, please tell people about that. It's called Every Last One. And they're really a boots on the ground organization um, that's working to reunite every single family that has been separated. It is a monumental task but they are doing it. I also produced an album called um, Singing You Home. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of the proceeds go to reunite families separated at the border. It's got some incredible people on it. Lin-Manuel Miranda and um, Dina Menzel and Josh Groban and Kristen Chenoweth and um, Ingrid Michelson and Anavia Fanye. Um, I sing with a little girl named Isabella Preston and it's a dual language children's album. So all the songs are half in English, half in Spanish. Okay. And all of the proceeds, every single penny goes to reuniting families separated at the border. Oh God, I love that. Laura, we love you. I Thank love you, you so much. Of course, my pleasure. All right, my lovely. Uh, so until next time, everybody, sage your sofa and don't be afraid of the dark. Did you know that Joy's afraid of the dark? I'm sometimes afraid of the dark. Really? Mm -hmm. Sometimes. She sleeps with the nightlight on. I believe it. gonna miss you and I love you and I'm grateful to you and I think you're wonderful and just please keep an open mind. <laughs>